Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. So on this episode, we're going to just continue our conversation. Last one, we talked about the proverbial belly fat, the uh, insidious, stubborn belly fat that we hear you know, so much from our patients. And we mentioned the KCCP program, which stands for Keto Carb Cycling. The name kind of says what it is. It's a ketosis and a carb cycling program. And we'll get into why we feel that that's important here in a second. So if you've been looking around on the internet, you've been looking around on different resources, the ketogenic diet, it seems like it kind of ebbs and flows in popularity. In the early 90s, it was really popular with the Atkins diet and South Beach. And then it kind of died off for a while. And now as of late, probably in the last, what, three to five years, it's really have gained a lot of momentum and it's becoming a very popular dietary strategy. And one of that, the reasons is because when you're in ketosis, which we'll get into, is it drops that insulin. And it also helps to drop the cortisol and the way the cortisol works with insulin. And as we talked about on the previous podcast with belly fat, you know, one of the main causes of belly fat is having too much cortisol, hence too much insulin. So if you can down-regulate your insulin or try to minimize your insulin output, you can actually reduce down the belly fat. So that was kind of what the premise we're coming from. Of course, you know, there's other things with reducing down insulin because Dr. Mackey is a big advocate about working on insulin and trying to reduce it just because of all the health aspects and that it comes into play with. But in, in this case, especially with the KCCP, is we kind of wrote it so people can work on reducing down that insulin, getting rid of the belly fat, you know, losing weight, but actually being able to maintain it. But doing this in a healthy way, because as Dr. Mackey mentioned, you know, the keto diet is hot right now, it doesn't mean that the way some people are doing it is exactly super healthy. Yeah, you know, people kind of interpret it the way they want or whatever becomes easy. And that's certainly what happened in the early 90s with the Atkins diet. People are just eating steak and bacon all the time. But one of the big mistakes, and this is one thing that we wanted to, we alluded to on the last episode, and that's kind of why we wrote it the way we did and why we're emphasizing a couple things is because what the big mistake that most people make on a ketogenic diet is they make it low carb and a low carb diet, a very low carb diet is considered to be anything lower than 50 grams of carbohydrates a day. So to be in, to go into ketosis, regardless of let's putting exercise aside for a moment, you need on average somewhere between, let's say 20 to 30 grams of carbohydrates for at least three days in order to shift into ketosis. So if you've never tried to count your carbs before, and I know a lot of you probably have, 20 to 30 grams of carbohydrates is not a lot of carbs. Just as an example, I think a can of Coke probably has, one can of Coca-Cola or one can of soda probably has close to 30 in just that one, in that one food item, not to mention other types of processed refined carbohydrates. There are going to be 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 grams easily, you know, on a per food item or a per meal basis. So when you try to restrict it down to 20, 30 grams, it's, this is why it's a good solution relatively, but it's not that easy to pull off or maintain over time. 
And as Dr. Mackey was talking about, you know, the average American diet, you know, we eat a lot of carbs. We eat a lot of carbohydrates, so our body runs in a state of what's called glycolysis. So it's burning those carbohydrates. The carbohydrates get turned into glucose, sugar. So you're basically running on glycolysis, which is like that sugar burning. When you cut back down on the carbs, especially down to... Like he was saying, you know, 50 grams of carbohydrates is not a lot, is when you cut back on that, the body has to do that shift from glycolysis to ketosis. And it takes about 72 hours to have that switch over. And in that 72 hours, I mean, you don't feel terrible, but you don't feel great. Yeah, right. As your body's shifting from burning sugar, like you said, which I think people should think of sugar or carbohydrates or glucose as like jet fuel or like rocket fuel. It's like really high octane gasoline that allows us to have lots of power and explosion and run from a predator if we had to run from the grizzly bear, but it's not a very good stamina inducing fuel. It's good for short bursts of energy and then it kind of crap out a little bit uh, where burning, getting the body to burn fat effectively. And that's one thing that as Americans, because our diet is so heavy in carbohydrates, I think probably the average is somewhere between two to 300 grams of carbohydrates a day, the body never has to burn fat because all it, it's getting this constant supply of carbohydrates all the time. Yeah. So when you switch into ketosis, there's no glucose around for the body to run on. So it has to run on these ketone bodies, which it basically you take a fat cell and then the, the liver will convert it into ketone bodies. And then that's our fuel source. Like I said, it takes 72 hours where people might feel like a little, you know, a little headachey, a little clammy, maybe a little tired, kind of a little foggy, but that usually only lasts about 72 hours. I mean, you don't feel amazing after the first three days. Um, so then it takes about another week before you're like, oh, okay, I'm starting to feel better, starting to feel better. And once you're actually in ketosis, people say that they feel really good. They feel like their energy is good. Their sleep is good. Their brain is clear. Now, granted, like I had mentioned earlier, is we want to get people to do ketosis healthy because not always there is, you know, you can starve yourself and not eat any food and be in ketosis. Yeah, right. And clearly, if we're trying to run our busy lives on a daily basis, like we talked about last time, you got kids, you got jobs, you got this, you got that, you need calories to be able to function all that. You can't just starve yourself and expect that, you know, something good is going to come of that. And that's one thing that we've noticed over the years. And the, the big mistake that everybody makes on a ketogenic diet is they drop their carbs and their calories. Not only on diets in general, that's enhance what a diet, what we interpret a diet to be as a drop in calories. We talk to women all the time and they're eating, you know, 1,500, 1,200, 1,400 calories. They're already in a major caloric deficit. That and consuming a low-carb diet simultaneously is a recipe for disaster. You're going to lose weight quick, but you're going to gain it back, you know, and then probably some on top of that. Not to mention the, the disruption you're creating to those weight-maintaining hormones over time. I have some women that will eat 800 calories a day and I'm just horrified and I, and I get it. I've done that before where I've cut back on my calories to see what would happen and go into ketosis. If you're in a low caloric diet along with ketosis, that's really hard on your body. It causes your thyroid to go down and I'm 
I've been there. I remember your hair falls out. You feel, you don't feel right. The one time I went into ketosis with low calories, I, I got a rash all over my chest. You know, that's not the healthy way to do it. What you actually want to do is, is raise up your calories if you're going into ketosis. Yeah, right. And that when someone's trying to lose weight and the idea or the thought of actually increasing calories purposely is kind of a hard one to wrap your brain around. But like I said, the number one mistake that everybody makes on any kind of weight loss plan, whether it's ketosis or not, is they drop their calories too much. A little bit of a caloric deficit is relatively fine, but if you drop it too much, that's where the problems happen down the road and you don't feel as good as you could through that process. So if you, the KCCP that we mentioned last time, there is a section in there that talks all about calories and how important they are, not necessarily reducing calories, but making sure for your person, for your body, for your specific goals and who you are as an individual, that you're actually consuming an appropriate calorie minimum, not a calorie maximum, right? That's what everybody says, eat this much or less. We want people to eat this much or more, whatever that might be. And collectively, I would say of the people that I talk to on a regular basis, most women are probably anywhere between, honestly, anywhere between 400 to 1,000 calories under what they should be on a daily basis as far as their caloric intake. And one thing to be said is when you're in ketosis, it does downregulate your cravings. People aren't as hungry because like Dr. Mackey said, you know, when you're having a glycolysis, glucose-laden diet, you're cravings go up. You know, you want sugar begets sugar begets sugar. So you want more, but when you're in ketosis, it does tend to drop down cravings. So I think part of it is not that we're trying to, I know us ladies, I'm a female. We've always been fixated on calories, which we need to put on the back burner. But a lot of times when you're in ketosis, you're really, you know, those cravings go down. So you're not really that hungry. So you just end up eating less. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because as you said, the carbs and insulin, it's a feed forward process. The more you have, the more you want. So the more carbs you eat, the more carbs you're going to crave and the whole cycle continues and almost, you know, perpetually that way, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And like you said, to start off the episode, the whole point of ketosis is you're trying to manage insulin. And when you're in ketosis, your body is forced to use ketone bodies because your glycogen stores are empty. Your glycogen is found in your liver and your muscle cells. You're basically burning fat 24 7 24 7 365 you are burning body fat now granted it does not happen in 30 days it does not happen in two weeks this is a metabolic process that does take some time and still some of the other elements need to be in place you're like and that's why we're making such a big deal about you know having an appropriate calorie range and that's also why we created the kccp the way we did so we can help people for prevent from making the critical mistakes that sabotage their long-term weight loss success yeah so part Part of that protocol we put together is not for you to be in ketosis continually. If somebody is in long-term ketosis, eventually they fall off the wagon. They eat some glucose, some sugar, and then woof, there you go. It's over and they, you know, it's hard to get back into that. And like I had mentioned earlier is you don't necessarily want to be in chronic ketosis. Even if you have a higher calorie diet, being in chronic ketosis can, again, put a lot of pressure on your thyroid. It puts a lot of pressure on the female hormones, the reproductive hormones. So that's why we want to cycle it a little bit, but of course we want to cycle it healthy. Yeah. And there's a lot of misinformation about the ketogenic diet. When it's done properly, it is not a strain on the kidneys. Unless you have kidney disease, if you have kidney disease, certainly that we wouldn't probably advise that. But if you're a normal person without a pre-existing condition like that, you know, ketosis, when it's done properly, 
is perfectly safe to do, you know, on a long-term basis. Uh, I know you and I, we've had people in ketosis for well over 12 months before, and it's perfectly okay to do that because it's a survival mechanism. Our body is kind of designed to go into ketosis. So when the food is scarce, when the carbohydrates are gone because it's winter time, the body has to have something to run on because there's no carbohydrates around anyways. So this is a normal, natural thing that mother nature intends us for us to go through literally on an annual basis, you know, six months, there's carbs when it's spring and summer. And then six months, we're in ketosis because there are no carbs in fall and winter. And then the cycle continues over and over and over. Now, if you're closer to the equator, for people that have maybe a little bit darker skin, their access to food options would be a little bit different, but there's still cycling of the types and the amounts of carbohydrates based on the season, based on how long the sun is, the sun's in the sky, and whether it's winter, spring, or summer, or fall. In North America, especially where I'm from in Minnesota and where we are now in Washington, you can definitely tell the difference between summer and winter, right? There's a definite difference and things grow very plentiful in the summertime and they're pretty much gone in the wintertime. There's pretty hard to grow something when there's you know two feet of snow outside. Yeah, and we don't really live in a society that does, you know, eating for the seasons. I mean, ice cream is available all year round. So are, so is fruit, so are frozen pizzas, so are burgers. So it's really about, I think what I think it comes down to for a lot of patients is it comes down to planning. You know, they're busy, their lives are busy. It's, they don't always have a plan. Like, I don't know what to do. I know in my head I should be doing this, but I need some kind of plan. Yeah, right. And honestly, we also set it up with that in mind, right? We know that people are busy. This is supposed to in some ways, help make things simpler. And I think once people understand the concept and understand the idea, eventually over time, it does become simpler. But we've been working with people a very long time and the hardest thing to get anybody to change, the hardest thing for anyone to change about themselves is their dietary habits. That is something that is a lot of times ingrained since childhood, right? We eat a lot of the same foods. We have a lot of the same tendencies. We have a lot of the same memories and experiences that are carryovers from when we are little that maybe food represented love, maybe food represented you know safety, maybe food represented comfort. And those things carry over into our adult years. And so when we're trying to modify that, we run into sometimes blind spots. We don't realize why we make the dietary choices that we do because we unfortunately we're blessed to have the options that we have, but we're also, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because we have too many options when it comes to our food choices on a regular basis. So this is much biology and biochemistry as it is psychology and how we're affected by it, how food molds us over time. And with ketosis, I think people think of being in a ketogenic diet as being a high protein diet. That's not necessarily accurate because if you do too much protein, it'll actually raise up your insulin and then we're back at square one. So the way we do with the keto diet, and a lot of you, you know, listeners and patients are super smart and you've researched this, you know, a healthy ketosis diet isn't a high protein diet. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think that what we're really trying to do with this, and, and honestly, this is really a, a technique that bodybuilders have been doing for a, a very long time, is just manipulating carbohydrate intake. Because we talked about calories, when people go into ketosis and they drop their carbs, automatically calories go down. People are not compensating for that drop in carbohydrates. So what we want people to do on a regular basis, whether it's weekly or bi-monthly, is drop your carbs, raise your fat, and then drop your fat and raise your carbs. 
and then protein stays relatively consistent. I mean, you, as a human being, we can, at a, any given meal, you can only eat so much protein at a given meal, right? We're not telling you to double your protein or because it just, it's very satiating. It's very, it helps us stay satisfied and full, but it's also very friendly on the hormone side. It doesn't have a very significant glycemic load, but you know, again, it's meant to be to your own level of appetite, not a high protein diet. Yeah. And like Dr. Mackey said, as we correct ketosis or what we believe it is, is doing kind of moderate protein, lower carbohydrate, you know, vegetables, lots of vegetables, and then a higher level of the healthy fats. And then you cycle in where you drop the fats and then throw in healthy carbohydrates where so you're not in chronic ketosis 24 seven, we actually have, you know, with the protocol, there's a way to follow it along, but it is simple. But, you know, one of the reasons that we want to do that is because, you know, this is where people get a little, you know, they think of fat, they think that's going to raise up their cholesterol. I put people on this protocol and it actually drops their cholesterol. So increasing up that fat, sometimes prematurely for about six weeks will raise up those LDLs, the low density lipoproteins just a little bit, but then they go right back down. And so, you know, it's not going to, people get scared. They think, oh, all this fat, even though it's good, healthy fats are going to like clog up my arteries and give me high cholesterol and anything. It's the actual opposite. Yeah. And I think we're finally, maybe not collectively, maybe not mainstream, but we're coming around to the idea that fat is not the villain that it's been made out to be. Exactly for the point you just made, actually the more fat you consume, the lower your cholesterol goes. Cholesterol is sensitive to insulin. Insulin makes your cholesterol go up over time, and that's what leads to the diabetes and the heart disease and all those other things that we talked about. Not because of the cholesterol, but because of it being stimulated by the insulin. You know, this whole approach is to, again, create some balance to that insulin and the cortisol. So if you hear that, if someone has an objection to it, it's a little bit outdated that by having all that fat in your diet is not and should not raise your cholesterol. It should actually go down. So and that's a really big deal because we've been kind of conditioned to think the opposite, that fat is a bad thing, and it really isn't. No, it won't make your blood pressure go up either, because sometimes when they're having a little bit more protein and fat, a little bit more sodium comes in because people want a little bit more flavor because they're not having the sugar, but it's not going to raise up your blood pressure. It's not going to cause necessarily water weight. If anything, sometimes there's a little bit of dehydration when you're in ketosis. So in our protocol, we put in a few caveats of some things that happen with ketosis, like you know, making sure to keep the hydration up, making sure to keep your minerals up. There is a consequence, which is really common, and it's just a thing, you know, with, I think a lot of people get a little constipated when they're in ketosis. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think when people are eating a lot of carbohydrates and processed refined foods that they're, it upsets their digestion. So they are, they tend to be a little, they say they're more regular. Like when they eat carbs, they can go to the bathroom. I don't, wouldn't say that's necessarily a good thing. It's probably their body trying to dump it. But at the same time, sometimes when you go into ketosis, it can cause a little bit of constipation. So we want to kind of account for that a little bit and give you some suggestions on how to avoid that. Yeah, right. And it's also a volume thing too, right? Because we talked about calories go down, you're restricting certain things from your diet. You know, it's a total volume thing as well, and why people start having some regularity issues. So in the KCCP, there are some things to, at least in the short term anyways, to help kind of circumvent that. But other than that, really, it uh, and I would say this, I would say as generally speaking, the harder your transition from 
sugar burning into ketosis. If you have a rough transition, that's more of a reason to actually do it, right? Because that means you're going through what they call the carb flu, the proverbial carbohydrate withdrawal. The worse you feel, that is an indication that it is the right thing for you to kind of push through because you'll definitely come out better on the other side. But people, they get to that point, they get the headache, they get the nausea, they get, they just don't feel quite right and they automatically think that it's a bad thing. But in most cases, when you're doing something non-pharmacologic, when you're just making some dietary changes like that and you're you actually feel worse before you feel better that's an opportunity for you to kind of lean into that as opposed to shy away from it and we've been so conditioned to think about symptoms as always being a negative thing and sometimes the body just you know it takes a step back before it can take any steps forward and with ketosis especially that's something that happens quite often and we know we're talking about this with weight loss so you know the scale is evil if you want to get on it to see where your original weight is and you know to see that progress but really the the best part because when you're doing this is you're losing fat you're not trying to lose water or muscle or bone which is what happens when people go into starvation diets is they end up losing a lot of muscle they lose their water and women start to lose bone and then they see the scale go down and they think well this is awesome no not really is you want to lose fat not lose all the important parts to our body you know like especially the muscle mass for females is so really doing, you know, measurements, you know, measure your waistline, measure your thighs, measure your bum, measure your bust. And that's where you really see the difference with this. Yeah, because the body, you know, you'll start to see different areas that will start to change. And maybe in the beginning, and even in the first 30 days, the weight might not shift much at all. Don't let the scale, and again, this is the other point of contention we talk a lot about, don't let the scale be your only mode of evaluation. Because as we all know, the scale lies to us. It sends us kind of ambiguous messages sometimes that are a little bit hard to interpret. If you step on the scale multiple times a week, that's fine. But try not to over course correct based on what the scale is telling you. You have to step back and pay attention to what the scale says, maybe on a monthly basis, not a daily or weekly basis. If you're making adjustments or getting upset because you stepped the scale and it was down two pounds on Monday and then it was up three pounds on Wednesday, that's too short of a time frame to be able to make any you know, come to any conclusions from that. But yet people get very frustrated and they try to correct, they eat less, exercise more, and now they're just compounding the problem. So step back, track your weight over time, a longer period of time, two weeks, four weeks, two months, three months, because then what you should see is a nice kind of linear downward trend in the right direction. And you just kind of have to trust the process and make sure that it'll work in your favor. But remember, it's about hormones and enzymes that and you're kind of working and working that is working on a cellular level. It's not just about in the short term reducing calories. So it does take some time for your body to kind of readjust and start doing what you want it to do. And I think that point can't be stressed enough because I have a, you know, I work mainly with women and they will contact me and say, you know, I'm up three pounds or when they go up even like two pounds, it's so, they feel so bad about it. And I get it because we're, you know, we're working really hard. So don't let that dissuade you. In fact, if anything, I'd say, you know what, put the scale away and check it at some, your local Walgreens or something like that, you know, once a month or something, and just go by the size of your clothes. That way you don't get dissuaded or 
frustrated or it makes you feel bad and sometimes people will binge. I have one patient, she says when she hits 135, she just stops eating. And I go, why are you so fixated on the number? <laughs> you know, and the last thing I want you to do is to stop eating, you know? So yeah. it's all about kind of changing those metabolic hormones. You know, our, our cute, our short-term goals is, we know, I want to fit into my pants a little bit better. I want to feel a little bit more comfortable in my body and lose maybe a little of that extra that I gained over the last, you know, seven years or whatnot. But at the same time, as you're doing this over time, you're going to readjust those metabolic hormones so that you have a larger threshold to, oh, here comes my birthday or we're going on vacation. People that go on vacation, they come back. I gained all the weight back. I gained 16 pounds in seven days. I'm like, well, first off, don't go by the scale. And then number two, that just means that their metabolic hormones, that threshold isn't there that gives them a little leeway to be able to have, you know, a life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you're trying to manage this through caloric restriction and excessive exercise, it is a, what is the word? It's like a futile process, right? It's going to end in failure every single time. And that's something that we see over and over and over again. And just like you said, the solutions that people employ to try to fix it, like I said, you hit a certain weight and now you just stop eating. You're just perpetuating that whole process. So this is an attempt. And believe me, we've been doing this a long time. We know there's some resistance. We've tried to give our diet philosophy to people and there's resistance there. They don't want to do it. They don't want to start it. They don't want to employ it, even though we know that it'll help them because they're making all those classic mistakes, but there's a, like a certain level of control. They can't give up what they're currently doing to do something different, Be, especially if we're telling them to eat more food, they automatically think that they're going to blow up like a balloon. I will say this, when you are under eating, let's say you're eating the proverbial 1200 calories a day and you do what we're telling you to do, which is increase your calories, right? Because that's what the keto carb cycling program does is it helps you establish a calorie range for yourself and everyone is under eating, at least women are anyways. They're always under eating. What'll happen in the first four to six weeks is your weight will actually go up about three to seven pounds. That is enough to give a woman a heart attack, literally, figuratively, but literally, right? They're going to panic. They're going to freak out. They're going to drop their calories right back down and they're going to start exercising that much more. But I always tell them, and I'm telling everyone listening that by increasing your calories, because you've been at a 1200 calorie day diet for so long, it's inevitable that you're going to gain a little bit of weight, but the weight goes up and then it starts to come back down on its own without you changing your energy expenditure by not increasing your exercise and just letting the process course correct on its own. The body says, okay, I'm not starving to death and running from a tiger anymore. And now the body can start letting go of some of that body fat. So you see a three to seven pound increase and now it starts to come back. You're, so you might go up and then back down to where you started at in that first month, right? Which is really frustrating for people, but that is the metabolic shift that you want to see. That's when you know that your hormones are starting to get back in balance. And then now from there, you start to see the progress that you want getting below your previous starting weight. Now the fun begins, so to speak. Yeah. Cause if you've gained, you know, 12 to 40 pounds in the last five years, you're not going to lose it all in four weeks. So Dr. Mackey's right, you know, push through that. And even if the scale does go up a little bit, that's why I think like, say it's evil buried in the backyard, because you will notice even in that first 30 days that your pants will fit better. 
you know, things will fit better. You will feel lighter. You will feel like, oh, I feel, you know, a little different. You know, that body distribution that we talked about in the previous podcast starts to sort of to adjust itself. You know, that what we talked about is people will say, oh, my stomach's gotten bigger, but my thighs have gotten thinner. And you'll see that distribution start to change. And that's when you know that those metabolic hormones are starting to change. Yeah. Of course, we want to lose the weight yesterday, right? We want that weight to come off as quickly as possible, especially if we have an event coming up, a vacation, a wedding, a class reunion, you know, those, these kind of pivotal things that motivate us to want to lose the weight in the first place. I would say for everyone, if you lose weight in the first month, great. Consider that a bonus. Don't be surprised if you don't lose any weight the first month. It doesn't mean that anything is wrong. It just means that you just need to keep doing it for a little bit longer to achieve what you want and possibly turning it into somewhat of a lifestyle because the way that we have the, you know, the carbs and the calories cycling in and out, it is never meant to be stopped. It is something that you can do for the rest of your life and probably should because it gives you enough flexibility on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis to be able to fit it in very nicely. So it's not a diet per se where you have to do it for six weeks or six months and be done with it and go back to whatever you did before. If you go back to what you did before, you're just going to gain the weight back, right? You just can't do that. You have to develop a different strategy for yourself. So this is a really complicated issue. This is a really complex problem, but this is one that we have kind of developed over the course of years working with people and understanding how they're trying to accomplish it and then offering some solutions to do it just a little bit better, but hopefully making it easier in the process. So I know we're talking about this KCCP and maybe some of you that didn't listen to the podcast before this one's like, well, what's that? Well, we on our website, progressyourhealth.com, we have a content library where we have a lot of information in there that's free for you to read things that we give our patients, protocols that we tell people. And one of them is that keto carb cycling protocol that we put together. So you're more than welcome to go to progressyourhealth.com. Just all we need is your name and your email and we'll, and you'll have access to our content library, which which is also going to be ever growing. Yeah, yeah, we're going to add more resources into it as time goes on because we have, you know, lots of tips, tricks and strategies to help people accomplish what they want. And it, it like you said, it'll just be kind of an evolving process over time an evolving amount or an increasing amount of information that people will have access to. So I think this is a wrap. I think we can move on to the next episode. Do you have anything else to add, Dr. Davidson? Oh, no, no, I don't. Okay. All right, good. So until another episode of the Progression Health Podcast, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.